Well, we gather today on Father's Day in our Father's house. And one of the joys and one of the delights that the Lord always desires for his children is that of unity. And in light of the tragedy in South Carolina, I want to share a very powerful quote by a pastor, Sam Emery. There is no such thing for me as a black church. There's no such thing for me as a white church. The church don't have no color. The only color the church is, is red because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And may we never forget that racism is present and always will be. Understand that. This is a fallen world, a sinful world. There will always be racism, but as the church of Jesus Christ, we always stand against it. And we need to understand the importance of unity within the body of Christ. Galatians 3.28, the word of God says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all what? One in Christ Jesus. Don't ever forget that, church. Don't ever forget that. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray that you would protect this church from the sin of racism in any way, and that you would mobilize this church to be an example to this world and our communities around us of what it means to have unity among diversity. God, may your hand rest here and may you bring in your children, raise them up from many different backgrounds, unite us for the glory of Almighty God and all God's people said, amen. I want you to join me in prayer again before we go into the word. Father, I just want to pray right now for your enablement as I preach. I want to pray on this Father's Day, Lord, that you would just encourage and challenge and and work among us. Father, I pray that you take your word and just use it. May you take me through this outline, these illustrations, these applications. May you raise these words off the page and breathe life. Teach us what it is to be a man of God, a father for you. And Father, how this applies to everyone. Bless as only you can bless. Unleash your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a picture of my son, Weston, and he is sitting in the kid's car that they have named Winston. So how many of you have kids that name their cars? Okay, you you got them out there. Our old car was Clyde. Anyway, this one's Winston. Winston is a Burgundy 2000 Buick Century with 82,652 miles on him, and he has been a fantastic car, pretty much reliable, minor fixes here and there. He has one besetting sin, though. It is the driver's side front tire. Always goes flat. I mean, it just completely, the slow leak, we've had to check numerous times, beads on the rim cleansed or cleaned, resealed, air valve replaced. It's just, that is this car's besetting sin. Now, let me tell you, if you don't have a tire that stays inflated, you ain't going anywhere. You you got problems, you know? I mean, it makes driving very, very difficult. Sometimes, as men, I believe we develop slow leaks, we get a little deflated in certain areas of our life. And honestly, sometimes, as fathers, I think we go flat. We miss it. We forget what we should be doing. And fatherhood is not for the faint of heart. It is hard. And my prayer this morning is that we're going to pull in and we're going to check the pressure on four areas of our life. And we're going to need to refill and inflate on what is most important in God's eyes, not this world's eyes. 
This world will tell you all these other things are so important and God is saying, I want you to get these four things down like the four tires on a car to, to keep you going, get you back on the road again, get us rolling as men and as, and as fathers. And so I want you to turn into a service station. It's the Shema service station. You may say the Shema, well, just turn to Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it is known as the Shema. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is the Jewish confession of faith. Still recited every morning, every evening around the world by devout Jews. Jewish boys actually in many homes memorize it as soon as they can speak. The Jewish confession of faith. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now understand, this message that I'm about to preach is for everyone. Not just for dads, not just for, for fathers. It's for everyone. The Word of God applies to all of us, but the specific application for, for, will be for us as men. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk to them of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We're going to check the tire pressure of our manlyhood, manhood and fatherhood. And we're going to refill and inflate on what is most important. And what is most important, number one, is this, learn to love learn to love. This is a weakness with many men. A lot of guys are not very good at expressing our love. We're not very good at giving our love. We're not very good at showing our love. Some of us tend to hold back our emotions and we see it as a sign of weakness. It's not manly. And God knows we struggle in this area. As a matter of fact, we struggle with it and showing love to our wives. That's why in Ephesians 5, God tells us, love your wives. We struggle at times with showing love to our children. Some of you grew up, you never heard your dad tell you, I love you. Sometimes, though, most importantly, we struggle with our love for God. And that's why we have verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God. Loving God more than our jobs. Loving God more than our hobbies. Loving God more than anything or anyone. It is the foundation of on which all else is built. If, guys, we can get this right, everything else will fall into place. And and we'll be back on the road to manhood and fatherhood, how God wants it lived out. So important is this verse that the Lord Jesus would call it the greatest and foremost commandment. He was tested by a certain lawyer in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. He says, I I want you to love God. I want you to notice what he didn't say. He didn't say serve God. He didn't say attend church for God. He He didn't say worship him in song. All those things follow suit. If you can just really grasp and understand the importance of loving your God. And it's similar to my relationship with my children. I want them to love me. You know, not just obey me, not just do chores, not just make sure things are taken care of. I want my children to love me. God wants you to love him. 
Not just say, well, I, I went to church, God. I read my Bible, God. You know, I, I sung some praise songs, some worship songs, God. Yeah, but do you really love me? Do you really love me? Are you just going through the motions? He wants our love, the, the deepest of our affections, the sincere adoration, personal devotion. That's what he wants. He, he wants to hear, I love you. That's what I want to hear from my children. Yeah, Dad, I took the trash out. Oh, great. Yeah, Dad, I cleaned my room. Okay. Dad, can I borrow the car keys? Yeah, no. <laughs> Dad, I love you. Wow. That's what God wants to hear. God, I went to church. God, I shared the gospel. God, I did this. God, I... Father, I love you. That's what he wants to hear. Now, it's, it's the broadest scope of love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. It's all, all, all out love. I, I filled my car up with gas Friday morning. Went over to the BP station off Orchard Road, and uh, I'm the kind of guy, I, I don't put in three bucks, I don't put in 20, I top it off. I, I pump that thing, and it clicks, and I and clicks, and I put a little bit more in, click. once in a while, yes, it is spilled out, but I'm not stopping until it's on that dollar amount, man. Come on, you aren't anybody else OCD here? I mean, come on, you, you don't stop, especially not on an odd number, You're, something's wrong with you. You got to even it out at least, okay? I, I, wanna, I want you to understand, you got to top off your love for God. Don't be cheap with God. You, you don't put a few bucks of love in with God. You top it off. And that is the only reason I top off at the gas station because it's an illustration and reminder of my love for God, just to let you know. <laughs> You're right. He says, love me with all your heart. All your heart. Top it off with heart love. Not half-hearted, not half of a tank of love, all love. And the heart is the center of our affections. It's the seat of our emotions. You know what he's saying? Get emotionally involved with God. Get emotionally involved with God. Don't just come to church because you got to go to church. Come to church because you love God. Don't just sing because all the people around me are singing and I should sing too. No, sing because you're emotionally involved with the creator of the universe who made you and sent his son to die for you, to adopt you into his family. You are father full, not fatherless, as that video said. Get emotionally involved with God. You know, when it comes to our hearts, our, our hearts regulate the rest of our lives, physically speaking. Uh, it's the driving force of the well-being of our body. It keeps everything healthy and whole. Love of God will regulate the rest of my life. If I enter into this emotional love for God, it takes care of everything else. Everything. So he says, all your heart. Then he says, all your soul. So he says that it's a soulish love that wells up deep within our being, the center of our personality, the inner longings and desires, totality of the inner person of, of which we are. So, so love me with all your heart, he's saying, and love me with all your soul. And then he says, love me with all your might. No holding back. 
I'm going to share a pet peeve with you. How many of you belong to a gym? Go to a gym, you work out, okay? I cannot stand when I go to a gym and there's somebody on a stationary bike that thinks they're out for a little stroll in the park. They're barely moving and they're reading their page. Work the machine, people! You should not be able to read it. It should be going like this, the paper. It should be covered with sweat. I mean, come on, give it your all. When it comes to spirituality, give it your all. Give it all your might, all your worth. There was a woman in our church many years ago that has since passed away. Her name was Hilda Romine. She was an elderly woman who was very, very special. And she could barely walk, could barely walk. She never missed church. She would park her car in a parking lot. She would take about 20 steps and stop and rest. And she would take another 20 to 30 steps and she would stop and rest. She would make it in the front door of the old church and there were little benches there and she would sit on the bench and rest. Then she'd make her way into the church, the back, and she would rest. And do you think she sat on the back row? Where do you think she sat? All the way to the front. All the way to the front. Do you know how hard it was for her to walk? And she would make her way down. By the way, she's never late either. <laughs> Some of you can't even get out of bed for God. Oh, it's raining. I can't go to church. Oh, it's this. I can't go to church. Oh, it's this. We can't serve in the nursery. Oh, it's this. Where is your love for God? Where is loving God with all your might? Where is this love and this affection with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might for God? Head over heels kind of love. That's what we need. That'll make a good dad. That'll make an exceptional father. That'll make a great Christian. Getting back on the road to manhood and fatherhood, we need to learn to love. Secondly, we need to commit to the commandments. You got to commit to the commandments. Look at verse 6. These words, which I'm commanding you today, shall be on your heart. These words, commanding, on your heart. So prioritize the word, personalize the word, internalize the word. That's what he's saying here. Make it a priority. Take the word of God seriously. It is a command. These are not suggestions. When I ask my children to do something around the house, it's not like, well, you know, maybe you can do it. If you get around to it, it's okay. No, I expect them to do it. God is not saying, hey, I'm giving you these things. If you like them, you can try them, but don't, you don't have, no, he's saying, do this. These are commands. Take the word of God seriously, not lightly. Prioritize. Personalize, commanding you. Yes, the context is Israel, but the truth, the principle is for all God's people. Listen very carefully. There is no way you can be a man of God unless you're a man of the word of God. You will never be a man of God until and unless you're a man of the word of God. You have to be a man of the word of God if you're going to be a man of God. And the commitment is today. It's commanding us today. Prioritize, personalize, internalize. They shall be on your heart. You take the word of God and you sink it deep inside. You sink it deep inside. You think on the word and you meditate on the word and you pray over the word and you let 
the Spirit of God use His Word from the inside out to change you and who you are. Psalm 119 verse 9 asks this question. How? How in the world can a young man keep his way pure? Boy, is that a great question, especially in our culture. How in the world is some young man going to stay pure in the cesspool of our nation with all the dangers and pitfalls and temptations? He answers it. By keeping it according to your word, with all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I've treasured where? In my heart that I may not sin against you. That's how you stay pure, guys. That is how you stay pure, gentlemen, by hiding the word of God in your heart. My kids, your kids need more than anything a man that will read the word and study the word and think on the word and follow the word and live out the word of God, internalize the word of God. That's how you get back on the road to manhood and fatherhood. You fill up with the things that matter. You learn to love. And you commit to the commandments. Third tire that needs to be inflated. You take time to teach. It's a little scary for us guys. Teach. I'm not a teacher. I don't think about lesson plans. That's, that's the wife's responsibility. That's pastors. That's Sunday school teachers. That's grandparents. No. God says that's your, your job. A father, when a father or dad's most important responsibilities is to teach. Every father must be a teacher. Every father. Look at verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Yes, you and yes, me. Teach. Teach your kids. Now, understand, put it in perspective. We teach our kids all kinds of stuff naturally. This comes natural to us as guys. We teach our children. We teach them how to play sports, how to swing a bat, how to throw a ball, how to swing a club, how to kick a football or a soccer ball. We teach them how to play an instrument. I don't. Some of you do. You know, that's just where your talent is or where you're gifted. You teach them how to hunt or fish, how to shoot a gun, how to mow a lawn, how to shake a hand, firm son, firm grip son. You know, how to ride a bike how to build a fire, how, how, to, how to leave a tip at a restaurant, how to fix a car, how to set up a tent, how to paint a room, how, how to tie a tie, how to shave. No, I didn't teach my daughters that. I taught my sons that. Uh, how to drive. About killed me yesterday teaching my son how to drive. Got a fourth permitted child in the house. No joke. We're in the car backing it up. My wife is in the house watching. She told me later, I screamed. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. I had my cool, but I'm telling you. Listen, nothing compares to teaching our children those spiritual lessons. Nothing compares. We teach them all kinds of things. We can teach them spiritual lessons. What does it mean to teach? Well, it's the same word that's often used to describe sharpening a knife on a whetstone. Think about sharpening a knife, and that's what we're supposed to do with our children. Sharpen our children spiritually. There are way too many spiritually dull kids in this world. Don't let your children be one of them. Sharpen your kids 
spiritually. They need to know the difference between right and wrong. They need to know that morality is not neutral. Our culture, this nation is saying, oh, morality is neutral. No, it is not neutral. Don't let this world dumb your kids down and dull your kids down. Sharpen your children, spiritually speaking. Keep them sharp. And we can't afford to leave the training of our children to chance. Listen carefully. If we don't indoctrinate our children with the truth, the world will indoctrinate our children with its lies. Get that. If we do not indoctrinate our children with the truth and indoctrinate them, I mean that, teach them, ground them in it, this world will indoctrinate them with its lies. So I were told in Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And, and it's not only the lives of our children that are on the line, much more important than the lives of our children are the souls of our children. It's not just their lives here and now. It's the souls of our children and where they are going to spend eternity. You do not leave this to chance. You may say, okay, you got my attention. How do I teach them? Teach them diligently. That's what he tells us in verse 7. Teach them diligently. That means attentively, carefully, thoroughly, consistently. It's not a crash course, but an ongoing instruction. And, And don't give up and stay at it. School may be out for summer, but spiritual lessons never end. He says, teach your sons. It doesn't mean you ignore the girls. We're we're talking offspring, people in our homes, children born to us, adopted by us, fostered by us. Whatever kids are under your authority and under your roof, take them and teach them. Pass on that spiritual baton to your kids and cheer them on to the finish line. And listen up, kids, don't drop that spiritual baton. You have been blessed with with Christian parents who love the Lord, who bring you to church and make sure you're in youth group and Awana and everything else. Treasure that. There's so many kids that don't have that. They've passed on that spiritual heritage to you. Grab a hold of it and don't let go. God's love for you. And in turn, pass that on to your children and grandchildren. Deuteronomy 6.2 talks about that. Your son, you, your son, your grandson. And you may be saying, well, when am I going to teach my kids? I mean, Pastor Scott, I, we've got, we got camps going and summer activities and neighborhood and all the technology today. When am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? Listen carefully. He says, talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. Don't miss this. Make it a natural part of your day. He's not saying set up some sterile, stern classroom. He's saying make this a natural part of your day. He's saying take advantage of casual conversation. Anytime, anywhere. That's how we teach our children best. Natural part of the day, casual conversation, anytime, anywhere. And he says, start with talking. Talk of them. So in other words, we've got to talk to our kids, not just about the weather and sports and movies and not just about ordering commands and chores to do. Talk to your children. Talk to your kids and listen up, dads. Turn off the 
the TV. Put the smartphone in the toilet. Put the newspaper away. Give your children undivided attention. Talk to your kids. They did one study with dads and their preschool kids. Yes, smaller. Dr. Broffenbremer research. They put microphones on the shirts of small children. They found out with these dads that fathers spent 37 seconds a day talking to their preschool children. 37 seconds a day. Less than four and a half minutes per week. While they contrasted it with the average preschool child was watching 30 to 50 hours of TV a week. Talk to your kids. Talk to them, no matter their age. Tell them about life. Tell them about the Lord. And tell them that you love them. Tell your children. Don't let a day go by without telling your kids that you love them. You may say, well, well, when do I do this? He tells us when you're sitting around. Look, Look at the examples he gives. Just when you're sitting around. Lounging around, sitting in your house. Look for a teachable moment. Watch for windows of opportunity. Take advantage of times to impact your kids spiritually. Use meal times. I mean, people gather. I mean, everyone converges in the kitchen at some point. Kids get hungry. They forage for food. Feed them something spiritual. Feed them them something you've learned. Share a thought. Share a verse. Something we've always done in our home is movies. If we go to movies or we watch a video, we always dissect it afterward. It doesn't take long. I sit the kids down and I say, okay, what did we learn from this movie? What, did, what was good about it? What was bad about it? And what, what spiritual lessons do you see there? What would the Bible say about that? Kids love movies. Talk to them. Turn it into a spiritual conversation. He says, when you're sitting around, how about walking around? When you walk by the way, you're outside, you're doing chores, you're fixing a car, you're working in the yard, you're walking in a store, you're driving in a car, any of these things. Let the word of God become the natural topic of conversation. Let me give you an example. My daughter, Raina, and I, yesterday, she's eight years old, we, we were feeding the birds yesterday. We have a little bird feeder, and it was empty, so we went outside, and we refilled the bird bath, and we re- refilled the, the bird feeder, and we came inside, and I told her, let's see how long it takes for the birds to come back. Well, it wasn't like, boom, phew. They're all there. The sparrows are everywhere. So I just mentioned to her a little lesson about sparrows. So, honey, do you realize God sees all those sparrows? Not one of them falls to the ground without our Father knowing it. And I said, honey, don't ever forget how much more important you are than a sparrow. That God has his eye on you. That God sees you at every moment and he cares for you. Now, I want you to understand, that wasn't a study in the Greek. I I didn't even open up a Bible. I didn't even give her a reference or verse and say, now, where in the Bible is that found? I didn't do any of those things. It was just a natural topic of conversation dealing with birds because it was in the Bible. But it was just an opportunity just to teach a truth about the love of God and that he sees her and that he loves her. Contemplate truths. Bring things out. I mean, God's word talks about relationships and communication and money and friendships and emotions. Your teenagers are dealing with emotions. There's anger, there's jealousy, there's impatience, there's pride. Boy, the scriptures are just replete with so many wonderful lessons. 
Write a little verse down. Share it with them. Pray with them about a struggle they're having. Sitting around, walking around. Then he says, lying down. You're lounging around. You're hanging around the family room, the living room, your basement. Maybe you're tucking them in at night. They're smaller. Read a verse to them in bed. I always did Proverbs with the kids. We'd gather them in the hallway when they were small. And I'd read a proverb or I'd pick certain proverbs out for the day. 31 proverbs, about 31 days in almost months. Winding down, retiring for the day. Review God's faithfulness. Psalm 92.2, do as the psalmist did. To declare your loving kindness when? In the morning. And your faithfulness when? By night. Boy, that's a great way, a simple way to start. Let's remind our kids of God's love in the morning. And let's review his faithfulness at night. It's a great way to start with your kids. Let's talk about God's love. We're starting our day off. Let's review how God has been faithful today. Where'd you see the hand of God? What did, what did he do today? See any answers to prayer? Any, any God moments? So, sitting around, walking around, lying down. How about getting up? Again, do as the psalmist did. Psalm 92, too, to declare your loving kindness in the morning. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. His compassions never fail. They are new how often? Every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Share a verse, share a passage at breakfast, a devotional thought. Here, this is something my wife and I always used. Keys for kids, you can go to this website. It's put out by the Daily Bread Radio Bible class you know, people. Uh, they do the Daily Bread for adults, they do this for kids. You can just open it up, read a little devotional thought to your kids at breakfast or, or, or at night. But I, I do want to encourage you, be flexible. Some mornings are an absolute mess. Let's be honest. I mean, the dog is thrown up and we're running late and kids are... It just can't happen. And that's okay. So, so be flexible. But what God is teaching us through this passage, there's no wrong time to teach our kids. There's no wrong time. Early or late, inside or outside, formal, informal, scripture, devotional thought. Just take the time to do it. And we can do it. But here, this is so important. Don't miss this. If I am truly loving God and I'm spending time in the Word of God, then I am naturally going to be able to talk to my children about God. These build on one another. If we are learning to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, and we are committed to the word of God ourselves, hiding it in our hearts, the natural outflow, I'm going to be able to talk to my kids about God. If you're here this morning and you really struggle with talking to your kids about God and that tire's pretty low, well, then you better check the pressure in the first two tires. Because maybe your, your, your problem is you're really not in love with God like you need to be. And you need to work on that. And, and maybe the situation is, is you're just not in the Bible yourself. You're not hiding it in your heart. Because when you love God and you're in the Word of God, you're going to be able to talk to your kids about God. It'll come naturally. Learn to love, commit to the commandments, take time to teach. Here's the fourth tire. So important. Holiness over hypocrisy. Say it with me. Holiness over hypocrisy. 
Nothing will damage your children more spiritually than hypocrisy in the home. Nothing will damage your children more spiritually than a dad who is not living out his faith during the week, but he comes to church on Sunday. You got to live out the truth, dads. He says, bind them as a sign on your hand, frontals on your forehead, write them on the doorposts of your house, on your gates. So he says, I want your hands to be holy. I want your head to be holy. I want your homes to be holy. That's what he's talking about. Bind them on your hands, secure, unmoving. Now, now the devout Jews of the day took this literally, and they do today too, and this is not what it meant. Here's a picture of what they think it means. It's a phylactery on the arm. They have a portion of Deuteronomy in that little box on their bicep. I guess it's a Bible bicep. I don't know. What's up with that? It's not even on their hand like Scripture says. Well, that's why they have that leather thing wrapped around going to their hand so they're not in sin. That's where legalism takes you. It's nothing to do with what God was talking about. It's symbolic is what he's teaching of continual devotion to the word of God and letting it, letting it affect your hands. What we touch needs to be holy. What we hold needs to be holy. What we do with our hands needs to be holy. That's what the Bible's teaching. And then they shall be as frontals on your forehead. In other words, you can't miss it. It's right there. Scripture and the importance of it. Again, the Jews took this literally. They put it on their head. That's crazy. That's not what the Lord meant. It's not about putting Scripture on top of your head. It's putting it in your head. and Letting it change the way you think and control your thoughts. The Lord Jesus would condemn them for their religious pride and hypocrisy in Matthew 23, 5. But they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries and lengthen the tassels of their garments. He's emphasizing our thought life needs to be holy. Dwell on the word of God and guard and control and fill your minds with the word of God. Not only our hands and our head, but our houses must be holy. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And again, the Jews took this literally. Here's a picture of a mezuzah. Comes from the word meaning doorpost. And and when they walk by, they touch it each time. And it's a small box containing, again, portions of Deuteronomy. And it's placed on a slant. You may say, well, why did they place it on a slant? Because there was this huge argument whether it should be vertical or horizontal. And so they said, okay, we'll put it on a slant. It's not what God was talking about. Again, that's where legalism takes you. It was symbolic that our homes must be devoted to God, that our homes belong to God, that they are holy, and that our faith, we're not ashamed of our faith. There's no shame. Uh, And our faith should be everywhere present, everyone to see, no hiding it, our devotion to God. Now, God wants a holy home, but listen carefully, that doesn't mean we don't sin. We don't, we, we sin. I'm the senior pastor of this church, and we sin in our house. How about you guys? We sin. I sin. I I, I lose my temper with my kids, with my wife at times. I say things I shouldn't say or act in ways I shouldn't act. So, So what do you do, Pastor Scott? 
and I've shared this before, if, if I lose my temper, which I do every 10 years or so, <laughs> I, you know, let's say I lose my temper with my wife. Honey, have I ever lost my temper with you? And she's shaking her head. You're supposed to say no, honey. <laughs> what, what I do is I, I say, I, I have Carla come into the family room and I ask her to sit down on the couch and I ask all the children to come in and, and I stand up and I say, guys, I didn't talk to your mom the right way. And, and I ask her to forgive me and then I ask them to forgive me. It's okay to ask forgiveness. It, it's okay to humble yourself before your wife and before your children. Our, our home is not perfect, but our home is holy. And part of having a holy home is, is having a humble home. Guys, I, I want to encourage you. Some of you, some of you really struggle to say you're sorry. And when you do, you do it this way. I'm sorry. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't cut it, man. Or, or you struggle to say, please forgive me. And you go, please forgive me. Or, or, or you say, please forgive me, but. Don't say but. But you, but that, but, you know, no, 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 no. Just take the blame. You blew it. It's okay. So, so learn to say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. That will go so far in your house. It really will. We'll never be perfect, but we can be holy, and we need to be humble. By the way, let, let God's word permeate your home. Not the TV, not the laptop, not the iPad, not the smartphone, not the video gaming systems, not Netflix. Let the word of God permeate your home so that we might be able to say with Joshua, chapter 24, 15, if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Say it with me. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So let's get back on the road to manhood and fatherhood. How do we do it? These four tires need to be inflated and full. Learn to love. Commit to the commandments. Take time to teach. And holiness over hypocrisy. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this great passage in the Old Testament, which we can apply to where we live even right now. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you just need to give thanks for your dad or your grandpa. Maybe you were raised in such a godly home, and you just need to give God thanks. Just do that. Maybe as a man, you've struggled in some of these areas and, and you just need to take a moment and confess that to the Lord and ask for his help. Do that as well. Ladies, kids, pray for your dads. It's not easy being a dad. It is hard. Pray for your husbands. Pray for your dads. Lift them up to the Lord. Cover them in prayer. We have such a great heavenly Father. And you may be here this morning and you have never come to know him as your Father. You've only known him as God. 
Today can be the day of your salvation. And you may say, Scott, I need God in my life. I want him. What do I do? I would encourage you right now in the quietness of your heart just to call out to him in faith. Just use words like these. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the sin or a cross for my sins. I thank you for loving me that much. Lord, I, I place my faith in you to save me. I can't save myself. Only you can save me. I, I repent. I, I turn from my sin. And I turn to you. Please save me, Lord. And please forgive me of all my sin. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.